Hello and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you there are many ways to follow our show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Locked on WBB. Go ahead and like us on Facebook, Locked on Women's Basketball, or go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Uh, I am joined this evening by an absolute legend in the game of basketball. Uh, I'm not going to insult your intelligence by introducing her any further. Sue Bird is here. Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. The place I'd love to start is just with the 2016 year in review in your mind. How much do you spend time during this offseason thinking about a pretty remarkable set of events and what really sticks out when you sort of close your eyes and imagine it? Well, for me personally, 2016 was a really successful year. I think from a WNBA storm standpoint, you know, we finally saw what we were capable of, um, what our cornerstone players were going to be for the future, and we were able to build on that. And it was good to, to get off to that next 10, 15 years for Jewel and for Stewie and for us as a franchise to see where we're going to be. So that was exciting. Obviously not thrilled with losing in the first round of the playoffs, but you know, in a lot of ways that was um, a great learning tool for us to use for next year. And then of course, as far as the Olympics go, you know, it was a, a wonderful summer, you know, no matter what had happened otherwise, you win an Olympic gold medal. It kind of makes the summer pretty special. So that was really cool. Um, really glad to be a part of that. Rio was phenomenal. The entire experience really was, was truly enjoyable and I have a gold medal to show for it, so can't really complain over here. I, I guess you have a lot of summers with gold medals to choose from to be able to know what that <laughs> feels like. In terms of that that teamwork with Diana, have you given any thought to the standard that you've set as what is really the best backcourt in the history of the sport? Oh, man, I haven't. I mean, I haven't thought about that Um you know, do I think that when it's all said and done, you can make that argument? Absolutely. I mean, we're we're two players that, you know, have won on every level, have pretty much won on every level together, you know, obviously except for the WNBA, but we won on our own teams. So, you know, who, who knows what would have happened if we were in the same backcourt <laughs> in that league as well. But, um, I, I, yeah, I think we know. The argument. <laughs> uh, I, I do wonder, are you guys at all competitive about things, whether it's, uh, when you when you're playing against each other at the WNBA level, or even you know she won Player of the Year, things like that, uh, is there trash talking that goes back and forth, and is there any part of you that <clears throat> that treats it like a competition? Um, you know, every now, every now and then, it'll get um, competitive, um, but more so in a joking way, mm-hmm. like you know if one of us has the, you know, upper hand, like she obviously has more college championships. So yeah, she can throw a one liner in there every now and then, but no, otherwise when it comes to basketball stuff, we're not very competitive. We are competitive. Otherwise, like don't put us in a bowling alley. Don't put us on a ping pong table. Don't put us anywhere else. But in terms of the basketball stuff, um, you know, I think it just hits almost too close to home. You just, uh, you know, we've been, you know, in tough games together, we've played against each other in tough games. It's just, it's easy to not get competitive about that. 
who is, and, and I may regret asking you this because you may have a different answer, who is the better bowler and who is the better ping pong player? Oh, I am by far the better bowler and she is the better ping pong player. So that's an easy one. No, that, that, that seems honest and that seems reasonable. Can I ask you about a different award you, you won this year? You were first team all WNBA, not, not that you're right. uh, any stranger to that team. But there's a lot of conversation in the league about moving to a positionless model. And I'm just right. wondering what your thoughts are about that, even specific to <clears throat> WNBA awards, whether you think there should be a point guard on the first team, a shooting guard on the first team, and so on. Right. Um, you know, my bias is going to come out here. I think those teams, the way it is now, works. I think that, you know, no matter whether you do it by position or whether you do it positionless, there's always going to be someone unhappy. You know, if you, if you keep it with the positions, then yeah, maybe the third forward who didn't make it, you know, or the, or the second center who didn't make it's going to be unhappy. But I think if you go positionless, I just think the value of different positions and players in those positions is going to get lost. And obviously, again, I say that with bias because from a point guard standpoint, people aren't going to go down that list. And yeah, maybe if you led the league in assists or maybe if you were top, you know, tops in that particular category. Otherwise, I mean, with the exception of maybe like Becky Hammond, you know, what was that, five, six years ago? You're not going to see a point guard unless you want to call Cappy Pondexter a point guard. You're not going to see a point guard in the tops in scoring. And I think people fall in love with scoring a little too much when it comes to the, these awards. So I think um, the value of a point guard is, is, is more so than stats. And I don't know if everyone can see past that when they see other players having phenomenal statistical careers uh, or season sorry at the same time I think a, a top five team you should be able to field that you should be able to put that on a court and they should be able to function you know if you have all five centers are they going to be able to function no yeah, I, I, and the scarcity of point guards I think in the lead right now is really significant do you, do you think that there is a reason why there are fewer point guards than there are players at other positions at this point in time in the WNBA? Is there an emphasis at the collegiate level that's moving away from it? What do you, what do you think is that, yeah. that's about? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, I can only guess. And I do know that in the last, I would say, 2016, probably like the last like 10 years in the WNBA, with, with the um, roster number going from, you know, I think it was 13 even at one point, down to 11. What that did was eliminate your specialty player. So every team always had a point guard, but you never really had a – I mean, there were years in Seattle where I didn't have a backup point guard. We had Tanisha Wright, who was a two guard, who could play the point guard. You know, And I think you could go across the board to a lot of these teams. Um, you know, We're talking about Diana. In a lot of Diana's years, she had to be the backup point guard. And I think it almost like – the same way, you know, like survival of the fittest evolution type talk, it kind of weeded out that point guard and those players never got to develop, you know, what would have been maybe a good backup, then become a starting point guard that never got to happen because they, they weren't making the roster. Again, this is my guess. I have no like, you know, facts to support it, but it's definitely something I saw in my time with the storm. And then just in my time in the WNBA. It's really fascinating. And, and even someone like Mariah Jefferson, who obviously is an incredibly gifted player, but comes in and is a top five point guard in the league right away. And, and right. a lot of that speaks to Mariah, of course, but a lot of it speaks to some issues at the position right now. I, I, do, do you think about it in terms of the national team, in terms of 
a line of succession or is that something that you just haven't really let your mind go to at this point? <laughs> um, no, I've thought about it. You know, I've obviously been asked about it a bunch and it is an interesting question, you know, and it kind of poses two questions. It's the one you just asked, which is, you know, who's going to be the next national team point guard, you know, um, right now there are no point guards that are really separating themselves per se, you know, every now and then you might think it's going to be one, then it doesn't work out. But then, you know, the second question that kind of pops up is maybe we're looking at it wrong. Maybe it's not going to be what we look at as a quote unquote traditional point guard. I don't view myself as a traditional point guard, but I also, um, I would say I'm, I'm some like myself, Lindsay Whalen, we're almost like these 50, 50 kind of point guards where 50% of what we do is setting the team up, making sure things are running. And then the other side of it is we can score. But maybe now there's a shift. Maybe now it's leaning towards more of a scoring, just scoring point guard, you know? Um, so maybe we're just looking at it wrong. I don't, I don't really know the answer. Um, definitely something to, to think about and look at, though, um, in these coming years. You, you just look at the way offenses function with, when you're in the game, when Lindsay's in the game. And it's, it, it's, it's a very highly desirable skill set. Right. And something that it's hard for me to believe will uh, will go by the wayside. Though your points are really no, interesting. I agree. Yeah, I mean, believe me, I am like the most biased point guard person you will ever meet <laughs> for obvious reasons, and I don't think this position should get weeded out. Hence, the keeping you know the all WNBA teams the way they are. I think it needs to be understood how valuable it is. I don't think people truly understand. Yeah, well, well, they do when they see you play. That's for sure. And <laughs> so beyond even the distribution something you did this year uh was you posted your best three-point percentage uh of your career up over 44 percent in in light of that in light of the fact you played in all 34 games do you feel as if you figured something out physically something uh within the offseason something that allowed you to be fresher for the duration of this year uh you know both fresher legs in terms of the three-point shot and in terms of staying out on the court um, you know, obviously the, you know, all those numbers and all the things you just said would, would lead you to believe that I've, you know, f figured something out. Um, you know, obviously at the same time, you can't predict the future, but yeah, I mean, what myself, Jenny Busek, uh, Susan Borchert, who's our, you know, strength and conditioning coach and, and really all around just physical well-being coach for me, um, we figured something out and a lot of it, you know, had to do with, uh, my workouts, you know, the when and the why and the what, it's all very strategically designed by Susan. I changed my diet, so nutrition played a huge role in that. And then it, it was really up to Jenny to be a, you know, open-minded coach, you know, the type of coach that if, you know, her starting point guard doesn't practice for a couple of days, she's okay with it. And she was. And for a lot of this season, if we had, you know, practices that went an hour and a half, I probably only participated in 30 to 45 minutes of it. And, you know, the way Jenny describes it is tread on a tire. And at this point, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've rode these tires pretty hard and, and I'm just trying to save as many rides as I can. And, you know, why waste it? You know, not that practice isn't important, but especially during a season when you're just playing game after game, practice is, it's more pounding that I just don't need. So there was really a combination of things and we're going to, you know, stick to it again this year and see how it goes. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, it's a combination and, Hopefully it works again. But it certainly worked that way on the NBA side. I, I know the Spurs really led uh, led the lead in, in doing that and limiting practice and even games as well. But yeah. with only 34 games uh, in the WNBA season, I guess it seems to you that the games are really not the option just because every game is so important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
it'd be really hard to, to sit games. I get it in the NBA, 100%. Their yeah. schedule is, is crazy. Ours is, I mean, maybe not equally, but pretty close to being just as crazy as theirs. Not in the number of games, but in the games per week. Um, but yeah, yeah because we have less. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. we have less, they are very important. I mean, that could be the difference between making the playoffs and not one single game. Yeah, we've, we've seen that. Um, as far as the players who you've been playing with, uh, specifically want to talk about Brianna Stewart. Uh, you look at the year one that she had, really no element of what she did in college skill-wise failed to translate to the professional level. Is it surprising to see that happen? There are very few players who managed to do that. If you look at their numbers and you look at the way the jump was made, it almost seems uh, effortless. Another player like that was you. Were you surprised, though, that she was such a player? And, and how do you, what do you attribute that to? Um, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, and I think that just speaks to her talent level, her mentality. Um, I think when you play at UConn, the one thing that gets developed more than anything is your mind. So she already had that killer instinct. Um, so not a surprise there. And I think, you know, when it comes to her game, obviously she's talented. When it comes to her game, this wasn't a player that, even in college, this wasn't a player that was physically dominating anyone, that was, you know, going out there and just, you know, banging bodies and as a post player and, you know, taking people off the dribble. She, I mean, yeah, she was doing these things, but I, I say this to say what makes the jump difficult is that, you're now going against older, stronger, more experienced players. And I think Stewie, you know, come to find out, plays in such a way where that doesn't matter. Yeah, she can jump. Yeah, she can run pretty fast. Yeah, she's extremely versatile for her size. And those things are going to translate no matter what level, you know. Um, right off the bat, her rebounding and her block, her, her shot blocking ability translated. Why? Because that is what it is. You know, that's timing. That's something that it is what it is, no matter who you're playing against. And the thing that I love best about Stewie's game is the sky's the limit at this point. The only thing she really hasn't done yet, and it's just by nature of her age, is really figure out, like, who she is as a basketball player and what, you know, what spots on the court are going to be her best spots and, and actually going out there and, you know, having a game plan and trying to do it. I think this year she just went out there and played. She was just doing whatever she could you know, kind of just out there like, yep, got another basketball game today. Let me go do this. And it's just going to get even better for her when she becomes a student of the game. Was the fact that your game is so cerebral, the reason why you made that jump so quickly and so well also, and was it year one to year two for you that it was finding those spots on the court as well? Um, yes and no. I think, yeah, I think because, my game is very much cerebral and because uh, similar to Stewie, you know, I never relied. I, I mean, Stewie has been the bigger one at times, the quicker one. I was never necessarily the strongest. I was never the, you know, I was one of the fast ones, but I was never the fastest. I never relied on my physical, you know, abilities to, you know, to outplay people. I always had to do it with my head and, and obviously, you know, a skill set, but that so that's really what helped me make the jump pretty easy um from year one to year two i don't know that it came as you know that easy um it was it was more so like year two to three and then beyond um so hopefully but i didn't go overseas you know stewie's overseas now and that can really help you so hopefully um you know she'll just get better and better and figuring herself out you know another player that obviously figured a lot out was jewel lloyd this year yeah in terms of what jewel can become 
the the numbers she put up were exceptional this year. She still was not primarily a point guard. A lot of people see her as someone who needs to be a point guard down the line with her skill set. She's also not making the perimeter shots at a level that you would generally associate, you know, with with an off guard with someone playing off the ball. What do you see as the next step in her development and how do you think she'll be defined as a player when she reaches her peak? Oh, so I actually disagree with um, almost everything that you just said, just because <laughs> well, I don't, know. I don't, I, I don't see Jewel as being a point. I see Jewel as being a player that, yeah, she can, she can play point guard at times, um, but not that's not going to be her position for a forty minute game. Mm-hmm. And I a hundred percent see her as a shoot, see her as a shooting guard, and you know. The biggest difference between Jules' game her rookie year and, and this past year was similar to what we're talking about with hopefully what Stewie, just figuring things out. Jewel, Jewel got real confident and real mature in her game and understanding, you know, what was a good shot, what was a bad shot. Um, of course, everybody has, you know, bad games, good games. And really, I think the one thing that's going to set Jewel apart in terms of the, the other two guards in this league is a consistency, you know, just getting more consistent and not settling, you know, that's something that Jewel uh, fell victim to in her rookie year. And yeah, every now and then she did, you know, this sophomore campaign as well, but not nearly as much. So already you're seeing great growth. Um, but to me, Jewel is a scorer. And yeah, she can play the point guard at times, but much better off the ball, uh, much better just not having to think and just going out there and scoring. Her, her three-point percentage did go up considerably from last yes. year to this year. Yes. Uh, but, you know, still around 30%. Do you think it needs to be 35, 40 for her to be the weapon that she can be in terms of getting to the basket consistently and even that mid-range, which was obviously significantly improved? Right. Um, yes and no. You know, I'm sure if Jewel were in this conversation right now and we were talking, it'd be like, yeah, of course she wants to shoot 5% points higher. You know, of course she wants to shoot from three, 35, 40%. Do I think that's going to hinder her from getting to the basket? No, I think she shoots it well enough where people have to respect it. And that's all that really matters. Now, again, can we all get more consistent? Absolutely. And that's definitely going to be Jewel's, you know, Jewel's challenge in the coming years. But this is a kid. I mean, I've never been more proud. She really took so many steps from one year to the next. And you just don't see that that often in a young player. And the other thing is she wants it. You know, she wants it. Like I said, if you're in this conversation, she'd be like, yeah, of course I want to shoot, you know, 40% from here and 45 from there. Um, and sidebar, I mean, we're talking about her like she didn't get all WNBA second team. I right. mean, she balled out this year. That's oh, the no, bottom line. No question about it. And, and uh, awards that were justly deserved. And, and, of course, let's not forget, came into the league even a year early. So this was in a lot of ways her rookie year. No, no no question about it. Well, so, okay, you're playing at a level uh, akin to your peak. Uh, Brianna Stewart's a year older. Jewel Lloyd's a year older. Mm -hmm. What else do the Storm need to go from the first round of the playoffs this year to where you want to be? Um, You know, it's tough to, to pinpoint that out. You know, I think... The best part about going to the playoffs and losing is that we got the experience of it. You know, I think in that game against Atlanta, you know, it was such a funny game, um, a very, you know, they had some players missing. Angel went off. They played zone. It was a very non-traditional game. And I think for us as a young team, 
the first time we're in the playoffs, the excitement of that, we got a little mental. And so I think the experience alone, you know, it's something that can't be taught. It can only be gained and and we gained it. Um, So with that, you know, the answer to your question is experience. That's what we need. Now, whether that comes in the shape of, you know, actually doing it as, as a team or whether it comes in the, the shape of the form of, you know, older players joining our roster, you know, we'll find out. But I think experience is, is what this team needs. What do you remember from some of the losses that predate 2010, whether it's uh, losing to L.A. in the Western Conference semis in 2009 or, you know, were there playoff losses that stuck in your mind and gave you those kind of specific lessons uh, that helped you yeah. win the title last time around? <clears throat> Well, you know, truthfully, it's it's tough to answer that because we had unique situations. Um, I know, you know, the storm, I was actually just talking about somebody the other day. It's like we've either won the championship every time we've made the playoffs, we've either won it or we lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. But that has a lot to do with Lauren and, and her injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, that's that's really been the story of our franchise in, I would have to say, four of our playoff runs, you know, having these teams that were doing great in the, in the regular season, and then we lose our best player. So it's tough to say what we gained, or if there's any translation or not translation, but you know, any similarities between that experience for me and what happened this year, it's hard to say. Um, but I know what losing does, it motivates you. So that definitely is not going to, that's going to be the same. If you were drafting a team and you could draft either Lauren or Diana, who uh, would you draft? Oh, Lauren or Diana. <laughs> um, man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You thought I was going to ask Lauren or Brianna? Uh, yeah. Nope. That's why I said don't do it. Nope. <laughs> um, no, that's a tough one. Um, oh, God. I, I don't even know. The only reason why I would say Diana is because I think you go with the guard. Mm-hmm. I just I, There's something to me about a, a special guard that I guess the way to look at it is, you know, if you put Diana and, you know, to be named forward versus Lauren and to be named guard, I'd rather have the special guard in that tandem. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. So that's, that's why I'd have to go with D, but it's tough. I mean, people forget how good Lauren was. I never will. I'm, I'm sure you don't, but people forget she was, she was something else. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. I, the, the stat that always jumps out of me is she's, second in the league ever in career wins above replacement and that's a stat that's a counting stat based on uh, amount of time you're on the floor and she missed so much time and still managed to be second overall uh and efficiency too right she's had like some of the most efficient seasons that we've ever seen i mean it's yeah you put me in a tough i mean hopefully lauren doesn't hear this i'm gonna get in trouble maybe i'm gonna have to say lauren because i Diana's not exactly technologically advanced. She might miss this one. But but, but you see Diana Moore, so it's, you know, <laughs> exactly. it's a challenge see? for you either way. Why are you doing this to me? I, I put you in a terrible position. I do apologize. <laughs> there, there's a guard who uh, idolizes uh, Diana, who you saw recently, and, and that's Kelsey Plum. Uh, I'm curious what, what you make of her game right now uh, relative to the next level and, and whether she's been the most impressive college player you've seen uh, so far this year. Yeah, well, Kelsey, I love Kelsey's game. The one thing about Kelsey, no matter what happens in, in her WNBA future, she is entertaining to watch, and there's something to be said for that. And I think the skill set that she possesses, um, it's unique. You know, she's an incredibly you know, gifted scorer. 
I think the way she handles the ball and the way she can create her own shot, you know, makes her special and unique. And it, I think that's an ability you have to have in order to make the jump um, as somebody who maybe isn't as tall or maybe as quick as, as some of the other players at her position. I do think she'll probably have to play the point guard spot, which she's, you know, we talked and, and she's all about, mm-hmm. but I tried to tell her, you know, what's fun and what's good and the positive about being the point guard is your matched up is probably not going to be as athletic as you, you know, as athletic as Kelsey. When Once you start moving to the two guard spot, now you're going against the Dianas of the world and the Jewel Lloyds of the world. It gets harder. Yeah. But at the point guard spot, you know, your matchup's a little different. And on top of that, you're a scorer at that spot. And that's incredibly valuable. Like I said, you know, with Lindsay, myself, some other players, when you can do both, it brings a whole different, Courtney Vandersloot has, has started to do that more. It brings a whole different dynamic to your basketball team. And I think Kelsey, you know, has, has a chance if she can kind of buy into that to do that. But right off the bat, I mean, she's fun to watch. And I think um, she's a great chance to have a, a great professional career. Yeah, she, she's an interesting model and, and, and a, a model of a player that we were just talking about that is in short supply in the league. So I think right. that, that also plays to her advantage as well. In terms of looking ahead and, and thinking about 2017 and beyond, to, to have the All-Star Game in Seattle, was that on your list of, you know, to be done, uh, the checklist when you thought about a career where you've done everything. Uh, usually you've done everything multiple times by now. <laughs> um, I mean, it's tough to say that that was on any kind of checklist um, because I know there's just so much that goes into it that has nothing to do with basketball or anything else. Right. Um, but the fact that we now have it and the fact that we are going to be hosting it, yeah, I'm incredibly excited for it. For myself as a player, um, you know, for my teammates, for the city, for the fans, for the franchise, it's you know, you can already feel the, the, the buzz that it's generating. And so uh, I think when it's all said and done, looking back, I'll be, you know, I'll be happy that it was able to, to happen. You know, the, there are people who are fearful that this is a way of saying goodbye. And, and I'm not looking to put you on the spot with any kind of decision or anything like that. But it, it is notable that you're at a point in your career where, it seems like there's nothing left on that checklist other than going back and winning another championship, but that's from the outside. How do you view it? How do you see where you are in the, in your career and what is that checklist like in your head? Uh, I don't have a checklist to be honest. You know, I think if anything, it's almost like full circle in a lot of ways, you know, you start your career wide eyed. Yeah. You have some hopes and some dreams, but you're not, you're just playing basketball. You're having a good time. Um, And then as you get older, you know, maybe your mid twenties to early thirties, you start thinking about, you know, the mark you're going to leave and, you know, the legend of dot, 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 if you will. And now that I've kind of, you know, passed that point, you know, of course, do I still want to want to win championships? Absolutely. But in some ways right now, I'm just a kid who loves playing basketball, who's out there doing it for a living. And I'm just going to try and maximize that. And, you know, like we talked about earlier in terms of, being ready for the WNBA season, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure my body's ready and just see what happens. And I think, you know, when you know, and right now I don't, so I'm just taking it one year at a time. Is it easier when you're surrounded by young talent like this? And I I mean, does that change your, your frame of mind even 
over the yes. way you thought about it a couple of years ago? Yes, absolutely. Um, and not just because of their talent. You know, I think the entire team, our entire Storm team this past summer, we had just a really good thing. We all got along. The camaraderie was great, and it made basketball enjoyable. And that's not always the case when, when you're on some teams. So it was good to, to be a part of that, to have this young team, to know my role is, is, is truly to help them more than anything, you know? And in that they ended up helping me probably more than I helped them. So it was, it was really pretty uh, special for me. I, I suspect they'd say otherwise, but <laughs> Stu Bird, I, I appreciate uh, watching you play, getting the chance to talk basketball with you, talk to Nathan with you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, thanks for being uh, a part of Lockdown Women's Basketball. J- just a reminder to our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB. You can like us on Facebook, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes uh, or your podcast listen of choice. My name is Howard Megdahl, wishing you a very good night.